are NFTs the modern way of affiliate marketing? That's what came to me today. Friday, March 11th, 2022. I'm Stephen Sturski, and here I am, your philosopher thinker. No, not really. But my employment gives me enough time to have that uh, sort of washover effect of creative thoughts that happens when you are doing something repetitive. And this, it actually clicked today because I was thinking about this NFTs that, you know, they are, I've heard people con- uh, consider them to be the new way of uh, contracts. They're the way forward to fundraise. Uh, they're the new way to sort of uh, sell digital assets. And this did get me thinking about all of these podcasts and audio whatevers and little clips and bits that I'm creating for my different projects, January, December drumming, and March motion and things like that. So why not? NFTs are your modern affiliate marketing. Folks, I'm Steven Sersky. Thanks for joining me. And uh, yeah, it's already Friday, end of the week. Great stuff. Paralympics end on Sunday. uh, So soon. Was thinking about going up there to uh, take a look at the area. I think it's all locked down. I don't think, like, all the subway stations are locked. Um, I'm not sure in terms of the area around it how far you can go. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't look as if you can walk through the Olympic Park itself. So what about these NFTs? You hear a lot about them. Ethereum, Bitcoin, crypto, this, that. And Bitcoin has crashed in the last couple of weeks since uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Now, some people are sort of saying and attributing the collapse. It's not a complete collapse. Let's put it this way. It's it's the crash, the, the, the drawdown in Bitcoin is because the Russian uh, traders... Uh, hackers, whoever. I mean, because it's, it's not hackers uh, and it's not necessarily traders. It's the Russian money. They're not trading it uh, or they're not mining it as uh, they used to leading up to uh, this uh, invasion. And you remember, uh, I guess it was about a week ago, I was citing this podcast that had uh, mentioned that, you know, was it the Russian financial arm that was bidding up Bitcoin and trading it, mining it, buying, selling it, leading into this vi- uh, this uh, violation of Ukrainian territory. And then now, they, I mean, they don't care. They're going to sell it. They take the money, they put it into whatever they have to do to finance uh, what they're, you know, what they're doing, the bombs dropping on, uh, on Ukraine or financing the uh, payments for soldiers or whatever, right? So, I mean, I know it's, it's kind of crazy to think that way, but with Bitcoin and crypto falling as much. One other thing that's sort of allied with a sort of together, uh, lumped together with those two is, or the, the, the creation of these NFTs. NFTs, as non-fungible tokens, seem like they can be a charade, a scam, a facade of some sort. And I see where that argument would come from. But, so this thought today was, if, as an English teacher, or as, because a, a musician is too, is too much, it is too common, same with a filmmaker, it's too common, but as an English teacher, let's put it this way, 
if you were to record 20 to 30, I don't know, podcasts, like short little clips, two to three minutes, you put them up online, and then you package them as an NFT. Instead of having an affiliate link, you know, if one of your students, uh, you know, previous or current, likes what you're doing, or a school likes what you're doing, normally they buy your textbook and give you, uh, or buy your CD, and they would put an affiliate link on their site, which would track back to your sale, your, your cart, your uh, uh, sales page, and then a, you know a little cookie would be embedded on your customer's computer, which would track their purchase and then give them a purchase, a percentage of the purchase, right? So you, out of out of the hundred percent, I mean, you keep ninety, and the affiliate gets ten, right? That's that's how affiliate marketing work. Now NFTs do away with the whole cookie thing because of the privacy issue. This whole G oh, GDPR, right? The uh, the European thing that came in came in effect a couple of years ago where you have to have privacy policy pages. My website has one, uh, stevenhersky.com. You have to declare all sorts of things. You have to opt out, opt in, reject all, accept all, check all these different boxes and things. That It's a pain in the ass to go through a website nowadays. But with NFTs, it avoids all that stuff. NFTs, now, if you are minting, if you're creating these NFTs yourself, you, you do stand a chance to make money if they're actually selling. But the other thing is, is that you have to go through these minting websites like foundation.io and there's another one, see something. I can't remember what it is. And uh, you have to pay a, a minting fee. Then you get the list and then you can sell them. And you sell them for whatever you want. The people who buy them now it is in contract, in mathematical contract along the blockchain that enables them, whenever they share it, in some way, shape, or form, they are benefiting from it. So not only do you, as the originator of it, receive your royalty, but the secondary person who purchased the NFT also receives a royalty from that share, from the views, and things like that. Now, you're right. This does confuse me as well, because I'm thinking like, wait a minute, if you as the originator of the NFT sold the NFT, then why are you getting a royalty when the person who bought the NFT now owns it? It has something to do with how NFTs are constructed and that the originator retains ownership in terms of origination, but then the new owner who purchases the NFT from the owner, from the originator, they now own a piece of the puzzle. And they own that piece of the puzzle. And no one else can get that piece of the puzzle. No one else can buy it. They can share it, but they cannot buy it. They cannot own it. So the royalties, if that thing is shared to another page that is running ads or affiliate links or any sort of sales, and that, the, and that NFT is broadcast on that page then a percentage of those profits generated by those ad views or click-throughs or whatever goes back to the nft holder and to the originator this is what i understand of nft so far sound confusing it does until you think about the idea of 
all the likes and dislikes that you have on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. Right. So the whole for the last 10 years, we have lived in this world wherein if you like something, you could share it. Well, you as a commoner sharing something, that's free marketing. It's free marketing for the person who originated whatever it is that you're sharing. That video, that song, that clip, that meme, or is it meme Meme. I mean, you're you're not gaining anything from it. Well, NFTs take out the, the freeness of it and give you partial control, partial profitability from that ability to share that thing. Now, you have the originator, NFT owner, and then the rest. I mean, so do the rest actually own it? As, like, do they gain anything from it? Why would they share it? Why would they do it? This is, you know, these are sort of the questions that I have. And I think it's it's pretty common. Well, I shouldn't say it's common. It is known that most of the NFTs being generated right now, 99% are going to be useless, worthless in years times, so in a few years time, which, which kind of tells you something about the confidence and the bubble that we've seen happen recently with the NFT sphere, the crypto sphere. I see. I'm looking at crypto uh, futures, and I mean they're they're down. They're all <laughs> wow. Uh, Bitcoin is trading at what thirty eight thousand or something like this, and Ethereum is down. Bitcoin Cash is down. Uh, so a lot of things are down just because of this recent uh, invasion in in Ukraine. Let's see. Current price thirty nine thousand for Bitcoin as of uh, March eleventh nine thirty p.m. Right, uh, Litecoin at 105, Ethereum 2634, and the others. Right, I don't know this NFT thing. I kind of think of it and go the same with Bitcoin, same with crypto. When I hear people talk about it, I go, you know what, I'm not smart enough to say no to it. Like, and it's, it's not as if I don't believe it, it's that what do I have to lose? by getting involved right especially with the nft thing the nft thing is more of a sales thing that even if it fails what is my risk in terms of cash like how much cash do i have to deploy to create these nfts and how can i use that going forward now this is where you know 20 year old rock band steve says and how did that work out for you because, let's face it, any of us artists, uh, us artistic folks, will have all had these projects. You know, the idea is, you know, back when you're 20, when you're 25 even, that's pushing it. 15 is the golden age. and 20 is the golden age. 15 is your dream stage. You know, I'm going to be in a band. I'm going to, you know, play music or I'm going to do this. Uh, you know, it's high fluting. Uh, you're not paying rent sort of thinking. Right now, if you're paying rent, okay, I got you. I understand. I mean, full respect to you. But there's a lot of us out there, a lot of people who create the arts in a bubble that leads to this thinking that you can create, um, what would you call it, a passive income stream by by your art, your MP3s, your waves, your videos, your your CD sales, your books. And then reality sorts of hits or, you know, the landlord demands rent and you're like, well, I haven't sold any albums yet. And they're like, 
don't care. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? So, go, you know, I think, as my dad used to say, the, uh, the gas station is always hiring. It's just kind of a sad thing to say, isn't it? But it's there. So, I mean, with these NFTs, yeah, it seems like it's the new affiliate marketing. It's the new way of doing contracts. But is it going to be lucrative for everybody? Is it going to be um, as, you know, sort of life-changing as people say? In terms of life-changing, if anything, it's kind of almost like using the QR code here in China. It's revolutionary in the sense that it's done away with physical cash, but you're still paying money out of your bank account that you have to go work for, and there is a finite amount of it. (laughs) Even, yes, you can invest in uh, fixed income or stocks, but stocks don't count. Okay, fixed income, cash in an account, $15,000, 15000 renminbi, pick a number, and you earn 1, 2, 3, 10%. Doesn't matter. You earn that 10%. So basically, on the money that there's a limit to taking out, the, as in the bank will not give you more than what you have in there, which is a result of the deposits put into that bank account, which is a a compensation for the time or energy or knowledge that you have that someone paid you for. That's the equivalent. You follow? So your company pays you X number of dollars, puts into a bank account, and the bank will will allow you to take out as many dollar bills and little metallic symbolisms from the bank that is totaled to the number that they have on, on file for you, which is a high fluent say, way of saying there's a limited amount of cash you can take out of your bank account. You can't, you can't grow it, even if with interest, but you have to wait. It takes time to, to uh, uh, generate interest on an account. So with that, as there's a limit there, there's a limit to how much this spread of NFTs can go Especially for someone, if you're not known, like if you don't have the weight of a full school behind you, I kind of, with this NFT thing, I kind of go, yeah, it's a great idea for digital assets. Yes, if maybe you're a school or a heavy leaguer, heavy hitter, where, you know, you people that are following you or people who are going to your school, I, I use the school in the sense of, because, you know, if you're a teacher or a professor at an institution, you can use your book because you think it's the best option for your clients or your students, and your students have to pay for it. Well, then there you go. There's your royalty system right there. There's your new contract. But for man or woman on the street, a street sweeper or, you know, burger flipper, even ESL teacher, language teacher, I mean, is this going to make a big deal? I don't know. Good question. So that was my that was my philosophical thought. There goes my creative thought for the day. That was my my big one. What was it? NFTs. Oh, no, I can't remember what it is. I had something witty. Oh, no, that was a creative thought. A creative thought a day makes boredom go away. Yeah, that's what I was going to. That's what I was thinking of. And that's what the NFTs are all about. Other than that, uh, I was reading in my uh, reading about my ESL or ELT. Um what would you call it? Terminology, once again, got through some of that. Uh, dictation needs analysis. Uh, neurolinguistic programming. The interesting here, dictation, this is because um, 
this actually popped up with uh, uh, in episode 29 of my podcast, with uh, which I have yet to finalize. I was supposed to finalize it tonight. I didn't. And uh, But this dictation, she was saying that she had done a lot of dictations when she was learning English. And I was thinking of this going, uh, I was reading this description of what dictations are. And it's like, you know, you're basically transcribing. Sometimes teachers will use this as like a cop-out of preparing for le- for lessons. Uh, or it's a good filler sometimes. It's not a bad exercise. I don't know if you can overuse it. And certainly it can't be that long. Like two minutes is an eternity when it comes to dictation. And by dictation, I mean you hear something and you write it down. Now, the good thing about this is that uh, as this description goes on, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a type of testing in that it, you know, involves recognizing the different uh, individual sounds and the words, and then putting all of those sounds into a word and those words into a sentence, and then that sentence into a paragraph, which we take for granted in our mother tongues and our mother uh, languages and our understandings of them, but do that in, I'll give you a challenge, Chinese learners out there. Try that in Chinese. Can you take the sound of the character, write the character, and then put that character beside the other characters in a sentence, in a phrase, and then in a sentence? It's not that easy. I mean, think of all those times you're like, okay, as an English teacher, you're going to cop out, all right, we're doing dictations, and your students are like, (laughs) flip the tables. What if your students gave you a dictation? Would you be able to do it? Oof, not in not in Chinese characters, not just yet. Chinese pinyin with correct tonality? Good luck. Good luck to you, sir and madame. For all those things, uh, yeah, so, oh, the other one is a dicto, uh, dicto gloss, which this one seems to be popular amongst the Chinese teachers that I've had recently, where you hear, you hear a complete text. So as a teacher or as a recording, you hear something. And then as a student, you have to recite, or not recite the exact thing, but you have to retell what you just heard. That's an easy, easy that's an even easier way of doing it because it doesn't require you to slow down very much. And like one of my Chinese teachers does this where she just reads the whole thing and you're sitting there going, I'm lost. <laughs> I got through two sentences of translation and now I don't know what that word means. Three sentences ago and I'm stuck and I actually have no idea what's going on. So... Dictogloss is sort of what I see as being the popular method amongst Chinese lesson or Chinese language teaching. Uh, Dictation wherein you like read a sentence and have your students write it down. That seems to be more of an ESL approach to these things. Very good exercises though. Um, I'll tell you, it's one thing that I wish I could make more time of, a time for, uh, especially since it's, can I say it's middle of March just yet? And that I do want to be looking to sign up for the test, for the HSK5 test. Probably I'll sign up for it in April, which means I'll try to write it in May. I don't want to write it in June, but if I have to, I guess I will. Just because like, if it gives me two more months to uh, study and to focus on these things, uh, then that's what I'm going to do. I was trying to do the characters, actually, uh, starting at lesson eight, uh, lesson 36, unit 18, chapter 36, and then... Because I've already done the first 13 or 14, 
I want to actually get away from just going sequentially and then just start at the end to give me sort of like a, what would you call it, one of those pendulum things, you know, uh, where you, you you close in on the middle by going by the uh, by the flanks first. It just gives me a little bit more of a mental break of the, the, the drudgery of climbing up the ladder that is HSK5, to tell you the truth. Uh, other than that, um, it's been a pretty good week overall. Hasn't been too, too busy uh, off and on with work, which is good. And uh, I'm preparing for next week, basically, because I'm thinking about all my Russian lessons. Uh, I was actually able to contact another uh, guy who's who's agreed to be on my podcast. And so on Monday, hopefully, bearing any unforeseen circumstances, I will have another episode recorded, which is great. So also means I have to get this other episode done and in the can. Uh, that's all coming done, com- coming due, I know. Uh, and tomorrow, since I don't have to work, uh, although the girlfriend wants to go out and go somewhere, I'm not sure. We might take a walk around Olympic Park. We'll see. Um, but um, hopefully this weekend, catch up on a few of these things, uh, especially on Sunday. Uh, got a, a bit more free time uh, to work both uh, to finish up on some of these uh, March motion projects that I've sort of been picking away at. And then also uh, the podcast uh, that I want to get published and everything. And I think with the podcast, I might actually go ahead and create a separate um, Anchor.fm or a Spotify account dedicated to the podcast. So just It would just keep things easy and, and separate. Like I don't want it to be mixing it with this uh, daily audio digest because it's this is a different beast. This is a different animal. Um, I was I sent it to another person and they're like, yeah, this audio quality. I'm like, yeah, because this is this is not meant to be polished audio quality. This is meant to be like you hear every all the clicky clackiness spittle of my voice as much as it aggravates me. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong when I'm because I do this audio editing and I hear this and I go, ah, there's only so much. Before you snap with the smicking and the smacking, it's 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 difficult. It's really tough, especially if it's right in your ears. And I know if you guys are listening to this on headphones, it can get annoying. I think I've gotten better at it. The breathing, the clicking, I think I've gotten better at it. I'm breathing better. I'm enunciating. I'm not trying to speak as fast as well, and that's all contributed to a bit more of a uh, um, better sound, better listening experience overall, I think, as, as far as I can tell. I don't know. You guys let me know. Show me a message. Hey, Steve, you smack too, smack too much on your podcast. Change it. Stop that. I don't like it. You know, let me know. I mean, how often do I re-listen to these things? Not very often, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, I do appreciate good audio quality because the, the podcasts that I listen to, I mean, but those, the ones that I listen to are of like super, you know, they, they've done it. They've been doing them for years. I don't know of anyone else who does this, like a 15 to 20 minute yik yak every day about whatever. And I know this is about whatever. I, it, I can't even defend that. I had one comment, well, how, why do you record this when no one listens to it? I'm like, first of all, not no one listens to it. Second of all, it, it, you know, it's for posterity. Third of all, it is about being an expat. I, mean, I think most expats, if they listen to this, they would, they would uh, at least empathize with a few of the things. 
and the other interests that I have, you know, the video effects, the music, the movies, and things like that, those are those also do have appeal to other people. Now, are do most of those people live the same type of life? I don't think so. I mean, I, well, even still, how many expats try to have travel vlogs or travel blogs or travel podcasts and things like this? I mean, so it's not a complete loss. At the same time, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, yeah, no, this podcast is for everybody. No, it's not. Uh, it's, I can't even pretend that it is. If anything, it's for a few select people. I mean, uh, I couldn't even give you a number of it. I think it's um, I think it's more for, you know, for people who want to hear something about the most broadest scope of things who want to sort of hear something that maybe they'd entertain in a conversation, but maybe they don't want to dwell on. Maybe they don't want to get into this conversation, but it's nice to have the thought, right? At least it gets you thinking on your own, well, what would my response be? What would I say about those sort of things? Here, I just I just put it down. I put it, in, I put it into digital waves, right? Let's put it this way. Any of you can start a podcast. Any of you can do it. I think one of the biggest differences is the confidence of pressing record and then pressing publish. That's that's sort of what I've seen um, in my time of being a blogger, of being a vlogger, and now a podcaster. Those are your biggest differences. Recording, and recording to an extent that you're not completely embarrassed by it, and then being to recording it to an extent where you are okay with publishing it and letting people look at you make those mistakes. And with that, I will close down this week's uh, episodes. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I know um, it's fun creating these things. Uh, I really do. I mean, it's a good sort of recollection of the things that have gone on for the day, uh, for the week. Uh, especially as a traveler, you know, we are exposed um, both willingly and unwillingly to geopolitical events. Um, but also as an expat, we do run into a lot more people than we would back in our homelands. Like even if our homelands are collections uh, or pools of immigrants or accents from around the world, if you are an expat in a different country, it you lead a little bit of a different life. You hear the different accents, you hear the different interpretations, and you, you can't be as ready to dismiss anything. Which, is, I mean... I know, because we ask our clients, like, would you like to live in a different place? And they go, well, no. And here we are, different people living in different places. We have to appreciate it. At the same time, there are stresses that are very hard to clarify to people who have never lived that life. All right, I'm going to end it here. This is the longest episode yet. And yeah, I, I would apologize, but I can't. Folks, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening this week. Uh, Paralympics are end, uh, ending this week. Uh, so if you have a chance, uh, watch a few more of that. Give the statistics uh, a boost. And of course, have a good weekend. I know Beijing is warming up. A bit of smog again today wasn't exactly the best uh, air quality out there. But the, warmer, uh, the, the weather is warming up. And I think they are going to shut the heating off soon. So enjoy those warm floors because for the next three or four weeks, you might have cold toes. Show notes and tracks up on my website, folks, stevensterski.com. 
Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend. I'll see you again on Monday. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.